Hey everyone, welcome back to uh, another episode of Authentic Avenue. My name is Adam Connor. Today we deep dive into the world of retail with somebody who spends his entire life touring stores. His name is Dan Hodges. He's the founder of Retail Store Tours, appropriately named. And today I do two things. One, I learn a little bit more about how retail has evolved in 2019, 2021, and going forward to 22. But I also get a little deeper into his founder story, which is something that if you've listened to a little bit of my content before, you know I want to get more into. So I ask him some of those stories about the come up and then we get into what he knows best, what retail is doing to attract more consumers and some of the things that you don't see when you walk into a retail store, even though they are clearly there. He gives us some tips as to what to look for when we're there because that world is changing faster than we all could possibly imagine. So sit back and enjoy uh, this conversation. This is Dan Hodges. Dan, how are you? It's good to talk. Been a while, actually. It's been a while, Adam. It, it's great to talk to you, and uh, it's a wonderful time here in New York in the fall of 2021. We uh, met last, actually, more near my neck of the woods in Alexandria, Virginia. We did not do it on video. Viewers, this is the first time you'll see this on video. And if you are a Adam Connor extraordinaire, you'll have seen or heard our conversation on a past podcast where we talked a little bit about the retail landscape. Uh, as it was understood, I believe, in that time in the fall of 2019, I'm pretty sure, is when that was. But a lot has changed, uh, both about the world and the industry. And I do want to ask you a little bit about that, Dan. But um, more to what's immediately interesting to me. First, this is something that uh, you have founded and built from the ground up. So uh, let me start with that story and that perspective. Why'd you do it? I did it because the the feedback I have been getting has been uh, really consistent and very, very positive. So the idea of the retail store tours actually came from, um, um, I was conducting a session with the retailers at the NRF, and we had just successfully completed uh, what's called Expo Tours, which is a, a, a tour of the big technologies on the showroom floor. And I asked for feedback. And the feedback I got was, Dan, this was great. Don't change a thing, which is shocking, shockingly good feedback. Yep. But there was a, a retailer from Australia. He was uh, from Woolworths in Australia. And he said, Dan, I think what you need to do is get us out to see the stores. That's what we really need. We're okay with the show floor, but get us out to see the stores. Yeah, right. so I said, okay, well, what does that mean? And anyway, but that it actually came from him. And I said, you know what? That's actually a really... A really good suggestion. So I, it really came from that retailer who was a vice president. He's still in the business at Woolworths in Australia. Right. So you started this idea because, and NRF, by the way, it stands for uh, National Retail Federation. I have that right, right, Dan? That's it. Yeah. They got a big show every January. So it's actually coming up. Yeah. I've been to that show like three times. Um, let, let me back it up. That place is a madhouse for like four days. It's nothing but booths and keynotes and presentations. It could be very overwhelming. It's a highly sensory experience. It's like Las Vegas. The lights never turn off and you never know what time it is. So I get it. If somebody's there for a couple of days and you lead them through a great tour curated of the floor, that can be very helpful. Yeah. But you're in the middle of New York. It's where all the biggest retailers have all their flagship spaces. So I also get what the Woolworths, Woolworths guy is saying is like, lead us to the stores. Now, when he asked you that, first of all, I imagine you were flattered by that positive feedback of like, don't change a thing with what you're doing today. But I mean, in your head, wasn't there a moment or two of like, 
can't just traipse people through random retail stores. Like, how did that actually come together? Because what they were essentially asking for was for like you to just walk them through a store. Nothing would be bought. It would be, I don't know. To me, that seems like an odd experience without having curated a company like you. So what'd you do then? Like, what's, how did you plan out? Okay, I'm going to answer this Woolworths guy's request. Like, how did you even start thinking about that? Great. So sometimes, uh, you know, what you, knowing what you don't know is, is a blessing. And so I knew in this case that uh, I really was not an expert in this area at all. So what I did was I, I found a colleague of mine who is an expert, and we basically spent uh, two to three months walking the neighborhoods of, of, uh, of New York. Hudson Yards was not even an American dream or even factors, but Soho, Noho, the Oculus, uh, Westfield World Trade Center, and Brookfield Place. And after about about a month, uh, it became clear that there are actually very uh, explicit narratives that you can that you can derive from from these stores and lessons. And so, what I what we did for the first round was we created um, you know six stops at different locations and and different venues. And for the most part, you know we got it about eighty five to ninety percent right because we asked for the retailers what they were looking for. We found the stores, we found the people that were interesting. And then since then, it's just been evolving. I mean, everything we've done has been based on feedback from the market. So it's, these aren't really my ideas. They're just me listening and then trying to create the best experience possible. So and I, then executing. The, the, the strength, Adam, was I knew what I didn't know, and I knew nothing about this. So I decided to just spend three or four months walking the streets of New York in, in different retails and figuring out, well, what, what is it? Yeah. Let me ask a question about like where the rubber would actually hit the road there. So at the end of the day, and by the way, in that previous sentence, you were talking about retailers were asking you, these are the tour guests, I, I would guess, yeah. uh, asking about other retailers being the, the hosts that you would walk through. Yeah. Um, did it ever cross your mind that people might find it strange that you just be like walking through their retailer and talking about them without them knowing? I mean, like, what sort of prep went into those three or four months? You'd have to go around and like ask, hey, can I walk through your store once a week with some people? Um, you know, that are potentially competitors of yours. Like, how did that work? Well, that's a great question. Um, and so about, about, about a month in, I started approaching retailers and I had the exact same, it was a bit of a panic where I'm like, oh my God, you know, I'm going to these retailers and I'm asking them to bring in other retailers. And isn't that a problem? Yeah. So we quickly went to about three stores and they said, are you kidding me? You bring them in the store, we'll sell them. And, um, and so it was just the opposite of what I thought, almost okay. the complete opposite. And then when I spoke to um, Satish, who was the COO of um, Sephora, now he's the CEO of a um, container store, I said, Satish, can we, um, would it be okay if we went into the Sephora stores and, and your people gave demos of the products? And he said, bring them in, Dan, <laughs> bring them in. In fact, um, Sephora is, I call it the most dangerous uh, store tour. And the reason is when I have female executives, I, I literally will lose the entire group in Sephora. So I've had to actually make that the last stop whenever I do these, uh, including beauty category. So yeah, just the, it, I had really no idea. And then when I actually asked that question, Adam, because I, I had a lot of trepidation on that, I thought, oh my God, now what about no one wants this? It was just the opposite. That's what would go through my head, at least. I yep. mean, if I'm thinking, and maybe I put it into the perspective of a different industry because I'm thinking, all right, if the retail location is meant to be where everything is presented and done, 
I immediately, my head was like, well, you wouldn't work a, you wouldn't walk a Coke person through a Pepsi factory, but that's not the right thing. The real thing is like, you wouldn't walk a Coke person down the shelf, the grocery store where the Pepsi bottles are, but you certainly would because that's free and public domain information essentially at that point. Um, good note on the Sephora, by the way, I uh, did a little bit of business with Sephora for my first job. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not their key demo, but it is a, a compelling experience to walk through there. Uh, you can just ask um, anybody who you know, listeners, viewers, who, who's a fan of the brand. And Sephora is a best practice. I mean, they do everything right. They hire people that are kind, evaluate them on empathy. They train them. They use technology. They have a unique value proposition. It's truly a model for really retail excellence throughout the world. And you don't have to be in the beauty business. You just have to be in the people business. And essentially, everybody in retail is in the people business. So learning their lessons is, is pretty key. And, and the last point is that from an ROI point of view, about 30 to 40% of the people that we take on these experiences go back and buy in the store. In fact, on our first tour, we had someone buy $14,000 worth of jewelry in Soho. So, you know- it's Just not, right there? That seems yeah, like a pretty considered purchase to make immediately. Yeah. But that's a crazy thing. These, these people have huge networks and they're yeah. generally, you know, about half of them around the world. So what happens is, one Brazilian goes back and tells 300, you know, and then over two or three years, you have 300 people showing up at that store based on that one visit that we made. So, you know, some of this stuff isn't intuitive, but it's certainly impactful. Sure. How many of those tours that you were leading through the streets of New York, did it take before you thought as a founder, not only am I on to something, but I'm doing it uniquely better than anyone else. I got to run with this 100% full-time. I can't look back. I mean, was that like that from the start or was this something that you had just heard at a conference and done a test of and it was on the side? What made that, what was that aha moment that was like, oh no, no, this, this is a life career thing? Two things. One was we realized after the second day of our first tours in 2017 that even though people are from the same company, like Coca-Cola or Walmart or Carrefour, they want different things. So the CTO wants to know what's the technology. The CMO wants to know why are they getting, why are they coming in the store? The board members and the CEO wants to know what's the business model. So what, we, what we've done is we've incorporated that feedback so that on the general tours that, that like anyone can just go on a general tour and we're mindful of the technology in Sephora or Apple or beta. And so we, we pretty much cover that. And the, the, the really the energy thing that, uh, that, that makes me so excited about this and, uh, and so excited to talk to you about this is that when we first talk to people, we say, well, do you, would, would you like to take a store tour? And they say store tour. Why do I need a store tour? I say, well, you don't, but 95% of what you're looking at, you're not seeing. And they look at me and say, well, thinking, what kind of a sales pitch is that? Yeah, you think I'm stupid? Guy <laughs> arrogant? Or what? Yeah. And then, and we're certainly not arrogant. And so um, after about two hours, I say, oh my God, 95% of what I was looking at, I wasn't seeing and I'll never look at it again. And you take so, a bow and you say, you're welcome. No, <laughs> I would say, sign up for another one. And they do. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Come on back with, with other boards that you know. Yeah. <laughs> But the, the, from, from what keeps me motivated is that um, I see the lights go on in their imaginations and their 
their business. They're looking at things they've been looking at for years and they're not seeing it the same way anymore. So to me, that that is, and I've worked with the top brands in the world, around the world, and whether it's people that are new in the career or people who've been doing this and leading multi-billion dollar companies for, for 20 years, it's the same thing. The lights go off and they and they stay on. They, they stay on, you know, they, they don't go off after this. So it really is, um, it's a huge amount of work uh, to get those types of experiences and those stores and, the, and those responses, but it's worth it. And all of our business, we've done around, we've had about 10,000 people take these. It's all word of mouth. We do very little advertising. Um, so that's a good, uh, maybe a good indicator. So you have been running the New York game yeah. several years. You have all these tour guests come through. They love it. They're seeing the 95%. They're spreading the word via word of mouth, maybe. So that's great for you. Keep the advertising costs low. But by the time that we first chatted, again, listeners, viewers, if you're paying attention at home, that's August of 2019, around there, I think, sometime in the fall, you had started to explore areas outside of New York, specifically China. Now, I say it's an opportune time to have done so just because of what ended up happening around the world within six to eight months after. But can you explain to me why you went to China in the first place? And then we'll explore what you saw and how that's proliferated beyond China's four walls. So what I was getting in general signals was China is amazing. You have to go to China. You have to see this innovation. But who knows what that meant? So fortunately, I was able to uh, to meet um, the, the, the CCFA, which is the largest uh, retail association in the world. And they are the retail, the restaurant, the convenience store association. And I spoke to Kevin Pang, who is the... Um, who is, the, who is the CEO or managing director or secretary general, they said, come over, Dan, and I'll, I'll set up a, um, a, you know, some of the top uh, retailers in China, Alibaba. And then I also had met Sharon Shi, who runs China for us at the a design show in New York. And she said, Dan, come over and I'll show you uh, what's going on in China. So I spent um, around, you know, over a week there visiting uh, Guangzhou, um, Shanghai and Beijing, and they were right. Um, the Chinese are, are doing things differently. Um, and it was really worth, it was extraordinarily worth the, uh, the visit, the insights. And what's interesting is as I was in, in China, we got um, a, a request from one of the largest uh, consumer packaged goods companies in the world to do uh, a VIP uh, tour for them in the uh, beauty category in Shanghai. So uh, I, I, we got instant validation that, that this was a good idea and we got our first our first deal, which has been a repeat deal um, ever since. So it's interesting because um, the Chinese have a different approach. Um, we visited the T11 supermarket and that particular particular supermarket was, was built by software engineers who built the supermarket to write the code to run a supermarket. So you know, perspective was just amazing. And um, what was interesting was that when the pandemic broke in the first quarter of 2020, um, I called upon the Chinese um, retail leaders to provide guidance to the US as to what how they were dealing with the pandemic, which in March of 2020 through July of 2020 was not a lot of fun for retailers. So um, it was interesting because that particular connection 
led to you know creating the World Retail Forum, which is really a vehicle that we created as a short-term gap to help people um, learn together to recover stronger. And that resulted in, in thousands of uh, executives from around the world joining us every week. And sometimes we were doing two or three broadcasts a week during the early days because it was so um, mind-boggling as to what was going on and there was really no information available at, the, at, that, at that time. So it's interesting, Adam, how one trip to China and a pandemic really sort of catapulted us in, in a big way in front of the, 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 the global consciousness of retail decision makers. So you never know, right? You never know. But you did know what your business model was for years and years prior to that pandemic. And as you said, March to July of 2020, of course, that was the pinnacle of the not fun time to be a retailer. Yes. Also probably the pinnacle of the not fun time as a business proprietor whose main product was walking through an in-person experience in a retail store. So I got to ask through 2020, what were some of the things that you did to, I don't want to say stay afloat because I imagine you have a thriving business, but like your main thing was disrupted. How'd you handle that? We leaned right into it because we decided that there was a need for global information and there was. And so we created sponsorship opportunities for the World Retail Forum, but not at first. We were just doing it as a, as a goodwill market um, adjustment. And then what's interesting is that the pandemic created a problem, but also an opportunity in that, you know, we have uh, about 30,000, 30 to 40,000 videos and, and, and um, photos of stores from around the world. So we created the concept of virtual store tours. And from March until even the current day, we'll do virtual store tours. And, you know, here's the plus and the, and the, and the minus. The minus is that we're not really experiencing um, Soho and, you, you know, with, with the five senses, there's nothing like a store tour. However, we can, we can do, uh, we can cover a category like fashion or beauty or sustainability on a global basis through a virtual tour. So we can literally go 22, 30,000 miles of traveling in two hours and basically see the best of any category around the world in almost real time. So there, there are, Pluses and minuses to to that, but the virtual, I think we created the virtual store tour. I think, I don't think, I think we did. And um, it's it's been hugely impactful. In fact, we did something uh, in the grocery sector with the top five CEOs in the United States. And after the uh, experience, they said, you know what? <laughs> I was thinking about going to China, but I don't have to anymore. So, uh, so that kind of feedback is, is great. Yeah, I would say if you can get in front of that capture some of that market. What's well, yeah. not the love? Exactly. Let's talk about let's talk about love for the retail sector here for a moment because I'll fast forward through all of that uh through the, through the not fun into what is now I'm guessing probably for you uh incredibly fun because you built all that brand equity and now you're in a world where everybody's back in the store. And you are just a month or so out from the big show that started it all, NRF in the first week or second week of January. I'm forgetting when. It's always early January. It's the 16th through the uh 16, 17, 18 in New York City. There you go. All right, listeners, viewers, if you were planning on going and your boss is getting on you to expense those tickets, you better get on it because it's closing soon. And at the NRF, we're doing American Dream, which we could talk about, Hudson Yards and Soho. So those retailers that go to the, um, the NRF Big Show or visit us anytime during the year will have an experience that will be a life experience at those three locations. So... Now we're looking forward to 22 and 
Retail's ever-changing, of course, but we're going to have a year where the foot traffic and the innovation within the industry, my guess, is going to accelerate even harder than it did in 20 and 21, maybe combined. You're at the cutting edge of that. What do you see? What are you excited about? And what's the story that Retail Store Tours is going to be telling come next year? Yeah, well, two things that they asked the question. The first is, in speaking with some of the a large packaged goods company, um, they said to me in March of this year, they said, Dan, what are you doing in Brooklyn? I said, nothing. I said, well, what should I do? Why would I go to Brooklyn? They said, well, that's where we get all of our ideas for innovation, new business models and technologies. And so I spent several months in Brooklyn, in Atlantic Avenue, Williamsburg, Industry City and Dumbo, and they're absolutely right. So what we did was we launched basically four tours for Brooklyn because it's so unique and it's so special. So those are the those are the areas that we um, you know that we focused on. The some of the areas, I mean, because we're real time, because we're on the ground, um, probably one of the areas I think is the most exciting, um, and it's I haven't really seen it talked about much, maybe because it's still evolving in the early days. But I'm seeing this, the grocery industry um, really rapidly evolving or rapidly thinking about evolving, let's say. And so um, we're seeing companies like Walmart and Kroger get into the medical business. For example, Walmart has opened up clinics and you can go to your Walmart and, and get a medical operation or medical diagnostics rather, treatment. Um, they have an optical department that's it's sometimes freestanding or next to it. Kroger's doing that. Um, we're seeing some of the supermarkets on the West Coast create a whole mind and body experience where you, where you can actually um, go to the store and get nutrition and fitness sort of life coaching. Um, and that's happening on some of the uh, supermarket chains in the West Coast in California. So it's evolving. And the the the, the pace of change is, is just accelerated. And I think it's, it's, for the most part, it's, it's like maybe the early days of the internet in 95 and 96. We all kind of knew it was important. We didn't quite know what that meant. In this case, um, with the, the, the health, the need for nutrition, the uh, sort of evolving values, the, uh, the grocery store, those who are, are, are embracing it are really making that a, a central hub of people's lives and fundamentally changing grocery. And again, you'll see this over the next five to 10 years, but we're just seeing that happening right now in New York and in different places around the world. So that's exciting. And, you know, there's, there's all the talk about technology and there always will be uh, from, from now until uh, long past when we're gone. But the most important factor in retail is the human touch and technology can, can improve the human touch as it does with Apple or with Sephora. But you know, if you're if you're skewing to one direction, just be mindful that for 200,000 years, we've been very successful with each other, interacting with each other, building networks and so forth. So um, it's always hard to be you know, when you're in this technology uh, sort of uh, area that we're in right now, you kind of think that, that the technology is everything and it is really important. But the human touch is is the bottom line for retail sales. And those companies that invest in their people, again, like Apple, Williams, Sonoma, Nordstrom, Sephora, they're seeing they're seeing bottom line results that that the industry is is really envious of. So it's you know really it's really important to to get caught up in reality versus getting caught up in um, 
sort of the moment. Let me ask you a, a, a question before we get to the ultimate one of the day, just which is mostly based on the word that I like to talk about here, which is authenticity. And that is first for the people who are still 95% blind based on what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. What's a common thing or two that somebody walking through a store sees, but doesn't see. Sure. A good example is beta. Um, and Vibu Norby is, is the uh, founder. He was a uh, chief engineer for nest. And so when you look, when you go into beta, or this could be Tiffany or Nordstrom, um, these people that you're dealing with, they were hired because of their kindness and evaluated based on their empathy. And the people in, in beta know over 700 products in terms of what they do and what their functionality is. What you don't see in beta is the fact that, that, um, that maybe I have the Dan Hodges uh, sports massage gun I've invested my time and energy and I'm, and I pay beta rent to, to have the Dan Hodges massage gun in, uh, in beta. So as you look as a consumer, you look at, oh, there's that massage gun. But what you don't know is that there are sensors above that are saying, oh, well, there's a male or female that spent, you know, X or Y minutes near the gun. Um, there was a male or female that picked up the gun and put it down and used it and collected data. So there's a lot of data uh, that's going on and, um, and it, it can make you a better, um, a, a better entrepreneur or a better person with product. And then based on that data that I collected beta, and there are many models, Allure is a model like this, um, and there are neighborhood goods. So th this is not unique just to beta. There are other models that are developing like this where you pay rent, you collect data, and they, they, they drive traffic to the, the store. The store becomes almost like a, uh, not a play, but a center of experience. And so um, so these are things that, you know, if you're walking by the store, you'll say, okay, looks like they're selling some electronic stuff in there. What's next? And it's like, no, 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 you know, look at that person, look at what's behind the person, look at all that technology in the ceiling that you're probably not even aware of. Look at all the data that's being generated and all the insights. And I have to tell you that when when you have a best practice where you use technology and the human touch, our biggest challenge with places like Apple or Sephora or Beta um, is that we can't get them out of the store because it becomes so engaging that nobody wants to leave. So, so the, the bottom line is um, when you know you'll look at lighting. And we'll, we'll say, well, what about this lighting in the store? So what? The lighting is good. Well, did you know that, that lighting, uh, the properties of lighting keeps people in the store 17% longer? Did you ever feel the, uh, when you're in the shopping center or a store, the air circulation? Because the use of, you know, the use of, of having robust air circulation keeps people awake and alert. Have you ever noticed that when you're walking in, in, a, in a shopping center or at a store, that there are chairs. What happens to people? They get tired. What happens when you have a chair? They become less tired. When they become less tired, they spend more time in the store. Have you thought about the fact that there is, you know, coffee and food in stores? What happens to people? They get hungry. <laughs> so there's just a million things that are going on that, um, you know, like in Soho, for example, we talk about clusters. There's a Korean streetwear cluster. And so what happens is once one cluster gets available, um, it creates a satellite for other brands. 
And if you're walking through Soho, you'll say, okay, well, that's that store over there and that's that store over there. No, <laughs> there's Baiting Ape, which is a Korean streetwear company next to another Korean streetwear company next to another Korean. So what happens is nothing is random. And so once you distinguish the patterns, um, you start seeing a good example on Green Street is the Louis Vuitton um, store. They do a pop-up um, store next to their main store every, um, every quarter. And that is like uh, millions and millions of people throughout the world await when that pop-up store is unveiled. The last pop-up the store they had was they created a pool in the, in the store. So you felt like you were at the bottom of a pool. So there are so many tricks and so many techniques that are being used so that as a, as a, a person with five senses, um, when, you're, when you go there, all of your senses are activated. The last example is the, um, the, the Atelier Beauty Chanel on, uh, in Soho. When you go into that store, you say, oh my God, this is really, it's, it's really not for me because I'm a male and I don't, you know, I don't uh, put makeup on, at least not yet. But, um, um, but then when you look at the brilliance of the store, they've actually created a place where you can, you know, pick lipstick out or apply um, foundation or mascara or any of the beauty uh, attributes. And you can do it self-serve or you can do it with expert help. So the, the level of intelligence and research that goes into creating these experiences in the stores is stunning. And whether you're um, you know, a big company or a small company, whether you're in the beauty business or not, you look at the thought process and the thought process drives these experiences, which are memorable, which are viral, viral rather, and unforgettable. Long-winded answer. Well, it was a complete one too. So, okay, a couple things. Listeners, viewers, if you're in New York, you can go to any of those places that Dan just mentioned. Um, if you are not, you can try and pick out wherever you are how other things are going on in the store that you may not see, even if it is technology coming out of the ceiling. And for me personally, I'm curious as to like where my data profile lives elsewhere. <laughs> what do I look like as a shopper? How much time do I spend uh, looking at you know whatever uh, toy there is on the shelf? Yeah, I shop for toys, I guess, in this scenario. But anyway, I am... Uh, fascinated by that world. And it's it's cool that you began this just from somebody at a conference saying, hey, lead me through a store. What an interesting niche that has developed and now to, again, be at the cutting edge of it. Uh, it's just a cool, cool, cool story for me to hear from you. So Dan, I, I really, really appreciate the time here. I'm looking forward to everything retail has to offer in 22. Looking forward to your insights there as well. And uh, best of luck for the business. Hey, take it to our tour. It's the most fun you'll ever have in two hours. There you go. <laughs> Thanks very much. All right. Thanks, Adam. Well, I tell you what, I'm going to pay a lot more attention next time I go into a, a retail location, any, just to see like what's being collected on me. I'll look around. Maybe I'll look into the ceiling for some cameras or some technology. How do they know that I've been looking at those Reese's Puffs or you know whatever it is? But I was really glad to talk to Dan, who has got this down to a science and has worked in a niche and carved out a really wonderful opportunity for himself. And as a founder, just learning how he did it and how he slogged through 2020 to come out stronger on the other side was also super interesting to me. Hopefully you agree. Uh, and if you do, you should stay tuned because I'm going to have more conversations just like this. You can follow here if you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening to the podcast, if you're reading along with this somewhere, I encourage you to continue to do that. And let me know what you think of these. Uh, until next time, though, I'll sign off as I always do. 
Until the next time that I get real again with you, thanks for taking a walk with me down Authentic Avenue, and we will see you later.